Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, or more appropriately, if you want to drive with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. I have a little bit of very, very smart intelligence from the 2017 AASA Digital Aftermarket Survey. And if you're wondering what those letters stand for, you know we love Alphabet Soup. It's Automotive Aftermarket Suppliers Association, hence AASA. Listen to this. Automotive suppliers need to stay on par with the customer experience and fulfillment accuracies of the big three marketplace platforms. I think you all know what they are, Amazon, eBay, and AutoZone. Hmm. So let's look at some facts here. I have a question, a pop quiz. What will have an $850 billion annual revenue in North America and a projected growth of $1.2 trillion by 2030? Uh, you may not know the answer. I'm going to give it to you. It's the automotive aftermarket segment. What happens after? After the car leaves the shop, leaves the platform, leaves the manufacturing facility, we'll find out a definition exactly of what aftermarket is. So while traditional aftermarket sales are growing modestly, guess what? The digital aftermarket will explode in a good way. But companies need to have operational efficiencies and flexibility, just like any, any industry, in order to take advantage of these opportunities for big growth and big profits. The experts speak, and I have two experts with me. Let me tell you who they are. First up in a moment, I'll be welcoming our good friend Bill Newman, William, but he lets me call him Bill. We've known him for years. North America Strategic Industry Advisor at SAP, one of our car guys. And joining him is Chris Gardner, Vice President of Member Services at AASA. So welcome to both gentlemen, and let's see what we've got here. Bill Newman has sent me a quote from, actually, it's supposedly from FDR, that's Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, but who was, let's See, FDR, American statesman, political leader, 32nd president of the U.S. from 1933 until his death in 1945. But this is from the mouth of John Voight, who played FDR in the 20, well, 2001 film Pearl Harbor. Very interesting. So here's the quote. I like sub-commanders. They have no time for, I'll just say BS, and neither do I. Bill Newman, fascinating quote. Talk to me. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, Bonnie. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. So, what do you what do you think? How'd you pick this for? We're talking about it, automotive aftermarket, and you've got a quote about sub commanders, submarine, and BS. I I really need a link here, Bill Newman. Right, right. So, uh, well, first of all, it's uh, it's a great movie, and uh, I I enjoy John Boyd's portrayal of FDR. It you know it just occurs to me that. Um, you know the aftermarket uh, industry in, in, in automotive. It, it just is one of those no nonsense. Uh, I got to do what I need to do when I need to do it type of businesses. And it just struck me that this quote rang pretty pretty well and very personal with many of the actors in the automotive aftermarket space. 
Okay, interesting. I have to tell you something. Did you know that this was the first time a movie nominated for Worst Picture? It got six Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Picture. The first time it was the same movie was nominated for four Academy Awards and won an Oscar for Best Sound Editing. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know about its uh, many different uh, reviews, but I did know that it did win an, uh, an Academy Award. Yes, I did know that. Yes, it was so badly reviewed by the critics, but it made fifty-nine million dollars opening weekend and four hundred fifty million worldwide. Considering that was seventeen years ago, that was probably pretty impressive. Thank you very much, Bill. I'm still laughing about this one. And now Chris Gardner has sent us a, a very interesting quote from Ronald Reagan. Ronald Wilson Reagan. 1911 to 2004, and he was the 40th president of the U.S. from 1981 to 89. He was also a Hollywood actor, talking about a link back and forth to movies here, and a union leader, as well as the 33rd governor of California from 67 to 75. And here's the quote, the future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted, it belongs to the brave. Chris Gardner, welcome. How are you? Bonnie, doing great. Thank you again for having me. Delighted. Talk to me about this quote. Well, I think it's appropriate in the in the face of an industry, as Bill mentioned, that's a very steady. Every year grows one, two, three and a half percent a year. Very steady, very successful industry, but it's going to be disrupted. Everybody knows that, so innovation is required. So, I, the it takes fortitude and gumption and focus and even a little intentionality to innovate. And not be status quo. And I think being status quo is dangerous for this industry because of so much digital disruption that's heading our way. Tom Landry said that innovation was the most important factor in his his success as a football coach. And so I think it's just it's critical that uh, this industry innovates. How brave do they have to be, Chris? Could we just crunch this down a little bit? You are uh, VP of Member Services at AASA. Do they feel your members feeling brave or faint-hearted, or any of them standing on the sidelines, quite afraid to dip their toe in the water of this exploding digital aftermarket segment of the industry? Are they saying, "Well, let's wait and see. Well, let's see if we get any major disruptors, and then we have to dive into the deep end of the pool." So, is anybody being faint-hearted and losing out right now? I don't want you to name names, but any observations? I think with anything like this, there are there are the those that are innovating and moving forward. There are those that are uh, sticking their toe in the water a little bit, and then those that are waiting and seeing. Nobody, I don't think anybody's hurting today because there's just so much business uh, servicing vehicles mm-hmm. in this industry. But as time goes on, I think what you'll see is companies that that aren't brave enough. To um, to take a you know a little not risk but take a chance on hiring new people or partnering with emerging technology companies or whatever probably are going to be acquired or go out of business or be relegated mm-hmm. to commodity type parts in the future. Thank you very much, Bill. I heard you. You want to make a comment about that one, Bill Newman? No, I just I just want to echo on what Chris is saying. I mean, it's um, you know a lot of companies can can make a good business, you know, running two to three percent annual growth rate. Um, I think what we see though is that the big opportunity is going to come from digitizing those parts and those products. And the the study that uh, was conducted by AASA and um, and SAP last year 
really started to touch on what are the processes that need to be done in order to enable a company to take that big leap. And, um, and it's really compelling. And, and to Chris, your point, I think that some companies are going to be brave and they're going to make that leap and others won't be and, and they will be relegated to, uh, to commodity status. Thank you very much. Let's move around. Bill, while I have you, I just want to know quickly where are you calling from today and what do you love to drink, even if it's not in your cup right this moment? Uh, well, I'm in Detroit today and uh, do, am enjoying a little bit of uh, coffee with uh, cream, but uh, as listeners know, I'm quite fond of my holiday Irish cream recipe, so um, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but uh, today's a work day, so we're keeping it, uh, we're keeping it good today, Bonnie. Thank you very much for behaving. Chris Gardner, I'm sorry I had to say that. Chris Gardner, where are you and, and what do you love to drink? Even if it's not in front of you right now, Chris, what's your, what's your passionate drink? Well, um, uh, probably uh, listeners can tell I am in the south and I'm in uh, North Carolina here at Research Triangle Park. And as being a born and bred and native southerner, I drink tea. And we say tea here. We don't have to say iced tea. We don't have to say sweet tea. Ah. It's just tea. <laughs> so it's the kind in a tall glass with a lot of ice cubes and maybe a little lemon, maybe a little sugar, maybe a li- mint leaf, maybe a little booze in it, and that would be the Long Island version where I come from. Is that right, Chris? <laughs> well, I don't drink the Long Island version, but uh, I know a lot of people who do. Okay, we'll leave it at that, talking about behaving. All they let me have on radio days is water, no caffeine, so I've got my Cool Clear mug of Cool Clear water with a pink straw because I'm in Durham, uh, 10 miles away from Chris Gardner today, and I, I hope we get a chance to meet. We're so located so closely, and um, I have a pink straw because, as Chris knows, it snowed last night. It's a gorgeous sunny day, and we're just delighted. The trees and the shrubs are still green, poking out of the snow, so we're hoping for lots of sunshine and no snow very very, very soon. It'll be 47 today here, so maybe the snow will melt quickly. Who knows? So let's do a deep dive into our topic here, and we are focusing right now on the AASA Aftermarket Study 2017. Let me start with a couple of, of tidbits from this survey. Uh, Bill Newman, I'm looking at your notes here, so let me just go through the first one here, and then we'll have you and Chris both respond. You say, when vehicles reach full autonomy, that's an interesting topic in itself, the aftermarket segment will realize peak disruption as vehicle utilization levels surpass 90%. Can you deconstruct that for me, Bill Newman, please? You'll have to repeat. I was It was staticky and cut off for about 30, 40 seconds, Bonnie. I'm okay. Sorry. That's okay. I'm going to I'm going to repeat this statement from the... Well, there, there are a lot of different tenets to that uh, or tentacles, but uh, uh, part of it is the, the, the mobility models will change. So vehicles are going to be utilized more often, their utilization will go from, you know, I don't, we, Bill can quote the numbers better than I can, but very low percentage per day or, you know, number of hours a day compared to utilizing them a lot. And so they're going to wear out faster, which that you would think that's good for the aftermarket and miles driven typically is good for the automotive aftermarket and will probably create opportunities there. But at the same time, there's, uh, there's some predictions that scrappage rates will increase and that cars will just be literally worn out out after three years, four years, five years. And the automotive aftermarket sweet spot is between, you know, is after five years, after warranties are, are typically over. So that's one of the potential headwinds is um, 
those vehicles just won't be around as long. They'll use them, wear them out, and move on to the next one. Very yeah, interesting. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah just, mm-hmm. to jump, yeah, just to jump in on there, what Chris is saying, I think some of the numbers that we've seen is that uh, the, the consumption rates currently for the driver-owned vehicle that you take to work, you park in your car at night, are somewhere around 20, 25, 30% maybe, depending on what your commute is like in some metro areas if you're coming in. And when we look at consuming connected auto- autonomous vehicles at a rate starting to push 80, 85, 90%, uh, exactly to Chris's point, um, the the maintenance uh, you're just going to consume that vehicle so much quickly, and and it should be good one would think for the aftermarket because your sweet spot's probably coming in maybe in terms of months, a mm-hmm. couple of years as opposed to five to ten years. But the infrastructure to actually do all that maintenance and repair work just doesn't exist today. I mean, the Probably the closest thing we have to it are some of the car rental fleet companies that are out there. Um, so this is a real concern in the industry and, and for part makers is what's the infrastructure going to be to actually make those repairs and put those replacement parts on vehicles at a higher consumption rate? And we just don't have many answers to that right now. Well, we're in a, we're in a looking and see. Are we are we in a, a waiting position here? Wait, W-A-I-T-I-N-G, are we in a waiting position, or is it happening so fast that if you blink, Bill, there's going to be an answer to your question in the next 10 minutes or the next 10, 10 days or months? How fast is it moving? Still, yeah, I think we're still waiting and seeing on that. Um, I think that we're looking at, at a tipping point of full uh, uh, to go to connected autonomous vehicles in the 2030. Um, space, which I think is is a consistent number with what we've talked about on some previous uh, radio shows together, Bonnie. So from that perspective, we have some time. But having said that, I mean, GM's already announced that for their connected fleet, they're taking the the driver pedals and steering wheel out um, in next model year. So, you know, the OEMs are already moving towards creating cars specific vehicles, specific for um, driverless use, and so with that comes a response. You know, what are the uh, what are the aftermarket uh, manufacturers and spare part makers going to do um, in response to that move? And uh, again, we're waiting to see how it trickles down the value chain. Thank you. Speaking of that, I'm looking at a very interesting comment here. Chris Gardner in your notes, and and let me pull this one up and see what you have to say. You say decisions must be made about buy versus build, internal development versus partnerships, acquire or be acquired. So what's the cultural, are are we seeing a major cultural shift in the aftermarket segment? Where are they leaning, the buy versus build, et cetera, et cetera? Chris, what do you see from your vantage point at AASA? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, that that was uh, in reference to the the significant increase in the number of companies that are developing mobility and other connected technologies. Um, and so the the buy versus build is is as something that the aftermarket supplier, the the parts manufacturers, have to wrestle with. So they've got to decide: Am I going to uh, develop my own sensors and connectivity and ability to write, read from a part and write back to a part? 
Or am I going to rely on a third-party company to develop that and I just partner with them? Or do I need to just uh, go acquire five or six companies that do that? The OEMs have been doing this for several years, and and, and even some of the larger uh, OE parts suppliers but the aftermarket suppliers are just getting around to looking at that. Do I develop this organically, internally, or do I mm-hmm. partner with someone or, or buy? And there's going to be a lot of changes in the companies and, and who they make, how are they made up, and uh, who they partner with in the near future. Thank you very much. Bill Newman, thoughts on that? What do you see? I just completely agree with Chris's observations. Um, you know, the, the large automakers have been have been trying to figure out this uh, make-or-buy approach to um, new technology, big data, digitization, particularly into the vehicle now for several years. And and, and those that have, um, there is a little separation now between those that got an early start and those that are now just coming around to it and have some uh, ground to gain. And, and again, that is all going to have an impact to not only the uh, OE parts makers in automotive, but also for the aftermarket uh, parts uh, suppliers as well. Thank you, Bill. Chris, I'm looking at another comment here pulled from your AASA Aftermarket Study 2017. Let me read this and see what you have to say. Based on survey findings, the most important process facing aftermarket suppliers was in the area of data storage and retrieval, everything from parts data to order history to pricing information and the complete part history and life cycle of an aftermarket supplier and his or her portfolio. So how is that coming along? Are they able to retrieve and analyze the data when and where they need to, or is this a work in progress? It's absolutely a work in progress, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Um, Many of our members have uh, have either built internally or they have purchased externally uh, PIM systems, that's product information management systems. There is there's probably no other industry in this on this planet that is more application oriented. So you have to identify which make, model, year, drivetrain, engine, etc. that a part fits. It's very important. So if you consider all the production information, uh, weather, uh, gas prices, sales history, all the trends, economic trends, um, and, and all the different parts that are available, all the different vehicles that are available, there's so much data, manufacturing data, inventory data, that a, that a parts manufacturer has to consider. It's so important to be able to, to collect that data to normalize it and standardize it and to take advantage of it. Now, there are tools out there. There's better tools all the time, BI tools, data analytics tools, PIM systems, as I said. But our members are, are just coming around in the last five years to taking a, a hard analytical look at how they manage that internally. So it's getting better, to answer your question. Thank you very much. Bill, what do you observe? Bill Newman. Well, I think... I think that there's a lot of change that's coming into into the parts um, structure, and um, and to respond to that, there are some really key processes that need to be developed. And our study brought out the fact that um, there's a there's a big what we'll call need gap, so where companies aspire to be versus where their current capability is uh, in real basic things like logistics, um, in in customer management processes. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of going back to operational efficiencies and what companies are doing to, you know, be more effective as well as efficient, 
Um, you know, we've, we've talked in the past that uh, aftermarket companies are very effective, but they're not particularly efficient. And there are some real opportunities near term to, uh, to make uh, big changes and move the needle with some of these uh, pretty basic processes that a lot of companies have had to uh, address in the past that are just now coming around in terms of digitalization to the aftermarket uh, segment. Thank you. And I'm going to try and squeeze in here. We've got five more minutes. I'm going to try and squeeze in one more of the findings. Chris, I'm going to bounce this over to you. Based on survey findings, this is the AASA Aftermarket Study 2017. Customer-facing processes were rated as important or very important, forming the basis of emphasis from B2B and B2B2C processes expected to be digitized. That's the key word I'm looking at over the next three to five years. So if you could just help us out uh, quickly, Chris, what what are these processes? Which ones do they see needing to be digitized that are specifically customer-facing? Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, good question, Bonnie. There's The aftermarket has been pretty good over the years at, at – uh, taken advantage of uh, electronic and uh, cataloging and electronic data interchange or EDI and other Mm -hmm. e-commerce processes through the years. Um, But that's, even some of those have um, become a little bit old as far as technology goes. Mm -hmm. And so now the, with the multi-channel and omni-channel marketing approaches, um, manufacturers have got to be able to uh, collect information from their customers via you know point of sale data and 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 sales history and things like that, and then uh, be able to work with not just their traditional distributors and retailers, but the the online marketplaces and e-tailers are introducing new, quick, fast, easy ways to collect information from customers like buying preferences, things like that, and to convert those into sales. And so um, it's really the, the your your question is about um, it would cover all types of processes, but it's the ability to understand point of sale data, to do forecast, demand planning, mm-hmm. um, and, and production planning. It's not easy in the automotive aftermarket when there's so many variables, but um, but those are some of the processes that are that are that were originally slowly, but now they're quickly becoming digitized. Thank you. Bill Newman, you want to add something? I'll give you just one minute to add on to what Chris said if you'd like to embellish or, or challenge him. Whatever you think. Well, I, yeah, I think to Chris's point, um, we, there's always in automotive industry the, the challenge of companies to get as close to their customer, their end driver, consumer customer as possible. And, you know, when, when you're dealing in the aftermarket space and oftentimes your, your products are being sold through Detailing channels like uh, AutoZone or eBay or even, uh, you know, in, in-store in traditional brick-and-mortar channels like uh, O'Reilly's or Pep Boys, it, it's hard to get that connection to your customer. And, and once you do, that's golden. You have to keep that. You have to preserve it. You have to leverage that as much as possible. Know what they're driving, how they drive, um, where they're driving, and be able to use very predictive models to figure out what offers can I give, you know, where where will the work be done? Are they do it themselves, people, or do they want to have somebody do it for me? And and that is really a still a big opportunity for independent aftermarket suppliers. 
Thank you very much. And now it's time for our crystal ball predictions. I have 30 seconds for each of you. As the French say, vite, vite, mean quick, quick, or put your foot on the gas and hit it. Chris Gardner, what do you see coming down the pike? Are you working on a new survey? Talk to me about that quickly. What do you predict for the next survey, Chris? Well, I I think that um, we we are, we're working on a major survey right now um, that will help our members identify which product categories are going to go, are going to increase or decrease or be eliminated with electrification of vehicles, the new mobility models we mentioned, telematics, connected, ADOS or whatever. Um, So I think what my prediction is that a significant number of aftermarket companies are going to have to change their product mix to accommodate these changing vehicle technologies. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point, Mr. Newman, 30 seconds for your predictions. Go. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of a shout out to Chris and his colleagues at AASA. My prediction is going to be that uh, in the next week, we're going to come together for their vision conference in Chicago. (laughs) Chris Chris and I are going to enjoy some time together, and we're going to have some deeper conversations around a number of digitization topics uh, when the tech committee meets on the uh, Friday following the main uh, the main conference. So really looking forward to uh, joining them and uh, really grateful for, uh, for ASA being uh, a great uh, industry advocate on, on behalf of the aftermarket suppliers. I like that kind of real-life, real-time prediction, Bill, because we know it's going to come true, and that's where we are. So, Chris Gardner, I predict one of these days you and I are going to bump into each other, but not with our cars somewhere, and you can have a glass of water or tea, and I'll have a cup of really good coffee somewhere, and let's make a day to do that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to uh, David Parrish and Miranda Labate, who worked on putting the show together. Chris Gardner, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you, and thank you for sharing your wisdom. Bill Newman, always a pleasure. We've got to get that recipe on the air. Shout out also to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio. So here's my call to action, and I just love it on the show. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? It's the law, darn it. Put it on. But more important, go out and be a game changer today, just like Chris Gardner and the AASA and just like Bill Newman at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.